Plus, podcasting for the Bi Plus universe. I'm Elizabeth Meacham, and I'm here with my co-host, Mick Collins. And with us today is Ross Victory. He's a musician and also the author of Panorama, the missing chapter from the memoir, the missing chapter from the memoir, Views from the Cockpit, The Journey of a Son. Welcome, Ross. And if you could tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, so I uh, was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I was lucky enough to have a two-parent home, so both of my parents uh, worked uh, careers in law enforcement. Um, I am an adventurer. I think of myself as a, an adventurer. I like to travel internationally. Um, I have a degree in marketing for a while. I taught English, so I moved to South Korea for a while, which we'll be talking about. And that kind of started me on an English teaching um, career. Then I came back, worked in management at schools. And I also am an author, writer. I contribute to the Good Men Project and also a um, songwriter, music artist. So I like to go to the studio and make different songs about whatever's going on in my life. And I think of myself as a conscious uh, creator. And I go between two labels, usually bisexual and no label. So yeah, that's kind of my, my, my situation. Yeah, I didn't know you contributed to the Good Men Project. Yeah, yeah, every now and then, maybe um, an article every eight weeks, um, you know, different life topics, mental health topics, um, different things like that, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. a really good one that talks about how to deal with women, like actual men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they cover Injury, everything. Yeah. Rape prevention, things like that. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. really cool. I have a lot yeah. of appreciation for that group. Yeah, yeah, they do a lot of good, uh, good work, and uh, for dads and and sons and stuff. They talk about, of course, sexuality, but also, like you said, relationships, mental health, men's health. You know, the whole person. So it's really, uh, really cool. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see stuff like that out there. Yes, I'm glad I found them, and I'm glad that they accept my articles. That's All right, always now. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Now uh, we were we're discussing specifically uh, panorama. Yeah. Uh, now, would you give a, a little background first on views from the cockpit, and then how it relates specifically to panorama? For sure. So views from the cockpit, and and so I'll just go all the way back. So about three years ago, um, I lost my dad to. Um, you know, it kind of escalated. He had a terminal illness and everything escalated. That was a very big life-changing moment for me. And um, it kind of put me on this path to self-development and self-healing. So he was a victim of elder abuse in his last days. So he married a woman from China uh, after he divorced my mom for 31 years. After they met, got married, he brought her over to United States. And as his health deteriorated, she wasn't mentally equipped, physically equipped. She wasn't equipped to take care of him. And that led to an abuse state. So knowing what I know just of him and my father, their relationship, and then, uh, you know, encountering his abuse, I was like, oh, my God, this is a traumatic moment. And so after all of that happened, um, we discovered also that there was a family property that was being 
um, swindled by a pastor in the family. So she had gotten him to like sign all of this, these documents. And so I discovered this. So I'm that person who researches and, you know, cross references and gets to the bottom of it. And so after all this trauma, I was thrown into therapy, right? So, I mean, this is hard stuff to, to get past. And during this time, um, my cousin, my mom, they encouraged me. They said, you know what, you have a story to tell. And I think people have to hear it. I mean, your experience with elder abuse, your dad, all this stuff. I was like, really, you think so? So I wrote Views from the Cockpit over a two-year um, time period. It started off as journal entries, so me telling myself what happened, okay? So I walked in, you know, and my dad's wife had him living in filth, and his food was like this, and it smelled like this. And so these journal entries started to just tell the narrative of my relationship with my dad, which started watching airplanes, hence the title, Views from the Cockpit. We would go out to LAX watch these airplanes land and take off. And, you know, little kid, you're clinging to the fence, like, wow, where is they, where are they going? You know, where are they coming from? And who is the person who can um, fly this airplane? And so after that book was released, the level of burden off my shoulders was incredible. I mean, just to having, having complete the book, having just accepted the abuse, how, what, my relationship with my dad meant what I want to do with it. I was like, wow, this is such a great feeling. How do I get more of this? And I started looking in my past and I said, you know what, there's some other pain and traumas that I need to let go. And one was this story of panorama. And as it relates to the bigger conversation about accepting one's sexuality, I don't want to say that this is like a coming out book, but I think that it is just a dynamic experience that, you know, changed my life abroad in South Korea. And I didn't know that it changed my life until like years later and I felt the impact of it. Um, and I think that's related to sometimes as bisexual people, you feel like you're the only one in the world. Well, at least in my life, I feel like I'm the only one here. I can't see any other bisexual people. And so when you finally meet one, it's just kind of like, oh my God, you too. And I feel like that this book was the a story of you too, but also how biphobia and toxic people kind of shape the the narrative around um, you know, what bisexual people face, just a lot of kind of hatred and what I feel. Not hatred, but just like negativity and different things like that. So that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. <laughs> no, I think, you know, just having the, the, the idea of views from the cockpit, because it is, you, you feel like you're, you're kind of front row seat watching it all go in because you're basically, you know, inside your head and uh, you, get, you, you get that narrative. And I think for most of us, we have those, those moments like you explained, like, oh, you too, and then you think, hey, this is great, and then unfortunately you have those those times of toxicity and going, well, this was supposed to be, you know, a good thing, but why why is all this negative baggage coming along with it? Right, right. Yeah, and it's, I mean, yeah. it's not always the case, but there's always that time, and it's it's disappointing, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Panorama is, um, it's about 10 years old, but during my therapeutic process with my dad and talking to the counselor about what happened, 
It's like, I had to face this. So what is your experience with love? What do your relationships look like? What is that even, what's going on there? And so, you know, I took baby steps with, um, with the counseling and the healing. And I said, you know what, I want to tell this story just for myself and to move on past all of these people, all of these events into whatever waits, you know, next for me. Yeah, I think, you know, you can see the growth there too. You could tell you were young. Um, yeah. And, and that's right. <laughs> you know, and it is when you're young, you meet somebody and you're like, yeah. Um, and then, and then the drama happens and, and, you're like what what the hell <laughs> you know what, just what is this yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah um and that's kind of one of the things you learn as you age is that it, it's sad i think some people start to look for the drama you know they meet somebody like okay now they're a little jaded and looking for the drama first and and then you know which keeps you from meeting people really but Exactly. And that's, that's important that you say that because it's like, are all situations supposed to feel drama, dramatic like this? You know, is everything supposed to be, you know, high alert? And I think with Panorama, um, a lot of us there in the English teaching community were there because of something we were trying to escape, right? So everyone's there trying to run away from their dysfunctional family, run away from, yeah, mostly their dysfunctional family. And so you're living in this situation and you're like, then the question of, is this really love? Is this anything? Or are we just all kind of band-aid or is this a band-aid because we're escaping? So, you know, I walk through and I try to accept um, a lot of that stuff against my own background coming from, you know, very black, very religious family that had its own kind of biphobic negativity itself. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, can you even can you even love somebody if you've got that much damage? You know, if you've got that much damage and you haven't really done the work to fix yourself, I mean, could mm -hmm. you even be in a working, loving relationship um, that's going to last? Yeah. You know, right? Yeah, and I don't even think you know. I didn't even know what that meant. You know, what yeah. does that even mean? A loving relationship, healing past wounds you're in a state of escape running away, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 If you got all this baggage, you're coming in that you've never addressed, you know, uh, you know, I've been married for 20 plus years now, working all that, all that stuff before has left me open to the relationship that I walked into with him. And yeah. So it's, I'm not just piling it on to anything that happens. I'm not piling on to other stuff that's happened. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's like, a, it's not gone, but you work on it um, and you know how to deal with it. Um, you just bring in baggage, though, that you've never dealt with into relationship. It's, it's like you're walking in wounded and yeah. anything else that happens, you're not going to be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. And that was my point to free myself from all of that, uh, just so I can attract someone who you know, a good partner, someone who wants to be here. We both here, we can heal, uh, not heal each other, but it could be a productive, healthy, stable relationship and not a mirror of chaos and pain and, and dysfunction. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So Panorama goes into your experience as a black bisexual man in a foreign country yeah. and how you begin a relationship with another bi man in the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. uh, how difficult was it to explore that 
relationship in a foreign country, uh, you know, physically and culturally, um, mm -hmm. it, and what were the cultural barriers? How did the idea of knowing your time together was limited affect that relationship? Um, Lots of questions there, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, at the time, it was an advent, like it did feel like an international adventure, you know, and when you think about it, you're in South Korea, so you don't really speak the language. Of course, I'm picking up the language. Here we have this relationship that is kind of protected in some um, anonymous bubble. So it's like people uh, culturally, they can't really read if we're together, what we're doing, how we know each other. So there's a level of freedom and exploration that um, I think existed. And, and really when you think about eating live octopus. So Koreans have this dish of, uh, I think it's sangnakji, san where there's just, um, they, there's an octopus, they cut off the tentacles, and the point is that the, they're still wiggling with life and you're supposed to ingest the life. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so when you think about experiences like that and having those types of dynamic um, just interactions, it was very, yeah, it was amazing to be on um, an adventure like that. And cultural barriers, of course, there were language. So we would go try to buy something and, and get into like a, um, a, a deep misunderstanding with an old a Korean person who couldn't even understand why we were in their country. <laughs> um, and yeah, there was a level of wonder. And I think as far as knowing that the time was limited, I didn't really ever think about that. And I think I probably should have thought more intently about, hey, this is limited time. What does this even mean? What are we even doing? We didn't set expectations about the relationship up front. We, it was just kind of like, I'm here, you're here. And, you know, let's just see. Yeah, let's just go, go with it. It was very kind of, um, asleep we were very i think asleep about what we were what we were doing and the impact on the future i think but at the same time the moment, it was adventure baby. yeah living yeah living in the moment um and then being in a foreign country with a foreign exotic backdrop of temples and you know bustling traffic um for many years i kind of obsessed and had dreams about being in korea like i could close my eyes see myself on the street it was that you know, it was almost like a dreamscape kind of um, situation, you know, and it went really fast. <laughs> yeah. Really fast, yeah. It, were there, like, any cultural barriers being bisexual men, um, uh, like homophobia or biphobia? I guess no one really knew that we were in this relationship. However, if people probed the backstory was that we were going to tell people that we were friends from the States. Like, oh, we knew each other prior to being here. <laughs> yeah. And so, and how that manifested, I think, is, of course, I gave one example of a female character who was kind of like, oh, so you're, oh, are you really? Oh, so you're really friends from the States. But literally, people who are foreigners in Korea, they want to know like, oh, you know this person? How do you know this person? You know, the cliques and the yeah. groups are very defined. Yeah. Mm. And so there was a lot of um, just kind of like tripping up about how do you guys really know each other? But I guess the answer to your question is we never really 
came out and said, hey, we are like, this is a, a this is a situation, you know, um, that never manifested uh, over there. It was it, kind of yeah, more so, so people between us. Weren't harassing you because they just didn't know. Right, right. Okay. And I think Koreans in general, the types of people that were over there looking back, I don't think that's the harassing type of crowd. I think um, there's a ton of bisexual people who were there trying to reconcile their past. Uh, looking back, I think yeah. Korean people, because of the cultural kind of insulation, I don't think they were in a position to be um, biphobic through, by way of homophobic, because mm -hmm. like it just, you know, it's the cultural differences. But I think we would have been okay if we would have came out with a, a relationship just because to go and live in Korea for extended time, you're already open-minded to experience and, and everything. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. A whole new dynamic. And, and I think um, especially, you know, like myself, I've never been outside the country mm -hmm. and I just kind of have a, a window you know, a small window of whatever I see, you know, from hear from other people and see on TV, getting kind of that firsthand account of other cultures, specifically from, you know, a point of view of like bisexual or, or anything like that. It's interesting because you're really never sure what it might be like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think for, in his case, he was way more, I think, adventurous than I was. So yeah, it was a very bisexual like almost movie situation like wow this is really like <laughs> it's like this is just wow we're living in the moment i guess you know sneaking to see you here you're coming here and then all the while you have this character in the united states who is feeling threatened with the situation that i you know wrote about in the book mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that was kind of a out of nowhere situation for you you know i kind of had yeah. this feeling that it was one of those things maybe he just didn't talk about to you as much as he should right right Oops. yeah whatever that character was working with it just manifested in a very big impactful way yeah yeah but it also kind of added to the narrative that i already had is like see look see everyone's out to to get me so it added to all of this stuff that I already had thought, but then when you get that validation, it's like, you know, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think when you're hurting, you look for that validation. You know, right. you make everything 10 times worse on yourself when you're hurting and I'm willing to deal with it. So mm -hmm. you get depressed and then your brain starts looking for, for excuses to be more depressed. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's that insidious of a, a disease. Mm -hmm. and same oh, way, yeah. You know, oh, yeah you're in a funk you just want to you look for excuses to be in that funk and to mm, be yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah it, it can definitely it can definitely become an old friend real quick yeah it's it's a really sick abusive old friend though yeah <laughs> mm. it lies to you but it's like oh, it's yeah. serious you know when you're looking you were you were in a bad way and and you were looking for people to be out you know against you um, right yeah and there probably and so, were some. There's always one or two, right? But um, you just look for it. And, you look for it. Yeah. Yeah. And even with uh, conversations between people. And so I've thought of myself. So I knew I was bisexual since at least 13 years old. It's a similar narrative. I didn't have the word until I was in college. 
found the word. I was excited. Oh my God, this is what I am. Um, But I feel like the narrative is just like, just how you said, you start looking for stuff because of one or two events. You start waiting for people. Yeah. Just to (laughs) say something or do something. And I don't like that. And I think part of the purpose of this book is how do I transcend that? How do I release that? How do I be confident and own my, my full truth and understand whatever you say, whatever your background is, it has nothing to do with kind of where I'm going and of my understanding myself, you know, that's where I'm, I'm headed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I don't know, has your experience? It's like, it was yeah. like, the first half is about relationship and the second half is like philosophy. And it was like, well, this is really deep, good stuff. Um, I got stuff out of it. So, and I'm yeah, old. I, yeah. Did you, I mean, and, and I think my anger, I don't want to say anger, but I really felt just after all this biphobia, it's like, I, there's just so much stuff I really wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everyone just needs to relax and breathe and let people live. I don't know if you're either of your experiences with biphobia has been so um, intense or to where it just makes you furious to interact with. I don't want to say to interact with straight or gay mm-hmm. people, but you just feel triggered when you're trying to express yourself. I don't know yeah. if you, either of you can relate to that or I, how you've ex- navigated that. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had anything. I mean, most of the stuff that I've encountered has always been just like super passive aggressive. Yeah. So it's one of those deals where it's always been like way more frustrating, mm-hmm. which is like worse because I want to get angry about it and burn through it and get over it. But it, it was so like kind of low key. All you do is just get more and more frustrated until you just like, you just want to strangle something. I'm not good with frustration. So I, that it, in a way it kind of helped me because it also helped me deal with how to productively, productively deal with frustration and then how to like, okay, you know what? It's time to step out instead yeah. of just torturing myself by being in the situation right so so i mean and that's the thing and i think especially kind of like elizabeth mentioned the book goes into a more philosophical bent near the end and i think that's that's good because then it's basically saying you can have these type of experiences but you can also learn from it there's also a, a takeaway if you're willing to open yourself up to actually having a takeaway on it so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I thought that was really great and I, that's really what we need to try and go for okay we had the experience what are we learning from it right yeah and yeah and i just listened to you speak it's just like my biphobia encounters and i appreciate kind of in the past episodes you guys did you really give visibility to by people of color because I feel like that intersection adds another layer of just, oh, it, it's really, you know, I feel like there has been targeted biphobia and then there's these, all these assumptions that exist within people of color circles as well, you know? So it's like you're trying to navigate all this stuff. You're going to church, you're hearing the pastors be openly, theologically, you know, homophobic, biphobic, like from the leadership perspective and all of this stuff is weighing down on the psyche and it feels personal, but I guess it really isn't right. Just kind of like how you said, um, Mick, you're, you just said, yeah, it's kind of like some passive aggressive something, 
don't know where that's coming from. I don't want it to make me feel frustrated. So I'm just going to go ahead and <laughs> get away from it. Yeah. 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 But like you said, the mature approach, and that's what I'm learning. The mature, and obviously I, 10 years ago, very immature with this story and everything that happened, but the mature approach is to say, okay, well, good luck with whatever you're thinking you got going on. Okay, so yeah, nice hanging out. Have a good, good day. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. That is it, it, it takes a little practice for you. <laughs> it, does, you it does. It does. It does. It's a skill. It's a skill. Yeah. yeah. So. I have not mastered that skill. I keep trying. It's, it, it's hard. We're all works in progress, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, see, and I hate the smell of burning bridges, but sometimes you got to light that sucker up. I just need to, like, learn the difference of when you should do that versus walk away. And I think I, you know, for a while I had that flipped around. So it was walking away from the stuff I needed to burn the bridges on and, and burning mm. the stuff. I probably should have just held my temper. A counselor told me know when to join the picket line and know when to, to walk away. And yeah. so, for example, if I told a, a recently few months ago, I was like, um, I told a, a close friend, I was like, hey, you know what? I want to kind of bring you into my dating life. I'm bisexual. This is what I'm experienced. And all of everything that she said after I said that was textbook. Like if you look at a infographic of what it means to be biphobic, she hit every single mark. And so then it's kind of like how invested, like you said, how invested am I in this relationship? is do I care to put you on the right path? Do I care to reflect the moments that we've had together? Or do I just need to walk away? And maybe sometimes you gotta just walk away. You gotta yeah. just walk away. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I got to the point where while I was dating, is this person I can tell I'm bisexual? You know, and that's right. a red flag. If I'm like, okay, you know what? We've been dating for a couple of weeks now. I don't feel like I can have that conversation with them. Um, mm you know, or any, any, any deep conversations about myself, but, um, and who I am as a person, that was a red flag. And, and I, I think for me, that was part of growing up, you know, as human being, having dealt with my stuff is not putting up with shit. Um, and if I don't get the feeling, um, that that person is going to be supportive, um, I just walked away. If you can't talk to somebody about who you are. Yeah. Then it's no it's hope for the relationship. Not going to yeah. be better from there. And I guess part of the whole bi-visibility thing is it's like if there were just more circles to meet bisexual people, at least for the single ones, yeah. um, to meet other bisexual people and kind of be able to date within a bi space, I feel like yeah. that would relieve a lot of pressure about the whole, should I tell you now? Should I tell you now? How deep yeah. am I going to go into this? You know, I mean, that's, and that's yeah. why I think this experience with Panorama and the character Alvi it's like, oh my God, you're by two. Oh yeah. my God. We kind of touched on this um, a little yeah. bit, if you want to add some more to it, but yeah. uh, your experiences as a bi man, specifically bi man of color, and of course yeah. navigating all this in the writing world. Right. Um, so I guess that's a new, the ownership, um, I guess I'm in the ownership state. So the acceptance of being a bi man of color, you know, that happened long ago. I'm in the ownership state of asserting myself in my writing. And I think with the promotion of Panorama specifically, I've had to really, again, be conscious of the media outlet that I'm sending my material to, you know, who the reader is, what they may think. And it's been 
kind of similar to the whole dating situation as far as disclosure in some weird way. It's kind of like, hey, this is bisexual content. Do you have bisexual content? Do you even know what that is? And can we forge some relationship? And to my surprise, I feel like just at this moment in time, people, they're still shifting into bisexual content and being open to that. So for example, I reached out to a newspaper here in uh, Los Angeles that has a feature called the book corner. And so, hey, black writer, bisexual writer, this is what I got. And they were really excited about it because they simply told me, we don't have these types of stories. Like no bisexual black man is coming to us with content of a bisexual narrative. So they were really excited to, to feature it. And so, oh, that's cool. you know, yeah, that, I mean that, and see, when you get that type of validation, you're like, okay, well, why was I angry for so long? <laughs> and I think, yeah. and I think it's, I don't know. I think it's a collective. I think as more people, more celebrities come out as bi, everyone gets interested in, in these uh, narratives. And I mean, even for like, email list promoters and stuff. I always um, email them. I said, hey, I want to work with you. This is a bisexual book. Have you experienced this? What is your thing? They're, oh, send over the um, book cover. Let's read the description. Oh yeah, we'll put it up. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. yeah and interacting with these people, it's like, am I projecting my bias on you? It's like, am I expecting yeah. you to be hateful? And yeah. they're like, no, yeah, we want this. And I think it's because people will click it, people will open it, people yeah. are interested for these stories. Um, so yeah, it, I guess to answer your question, Mick, I'm still on that journey to see, you know, what that really feels like, because at the beginning promotion of this, it seems like people are interested in hearing, you know, these types of uh, narratives, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's starting to open up more than ever, which is awesome. I mean, obviously there's still a lot of hurdles, but. right. You know, it is really nice to see that, you know, people are interested, people are willing to look at them, but it's really hard not to be a little gun shy at the beginning going, you know, all right, well, let's see how this goes. Yeah. Right, right. And you know what's crazy is when I announced this book, it's like in my uh, Instagram, all of a sudden three other bi writers came up. They're like, yeah, this is what we're like, this is where the direction, these bi creative people have to be responsible for the representation that they want to be, you know, in the bisexual community. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, yeah, there's tons of people and these are all the stories. Like it's a diverse group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, um, it's really kind of nice that we're able to actually kind of tell our own stories because if you look at um, just like homosexual literature or LGBT literature in general, in a lot of areas, it's been dominated by straight writers trying to write our stories, right, you know, right. in an LGBT umbrella. It's really important for us to write our own stories because these are our experiences. We should be the ones telling them. And for sure, we need to make sure that the right information is getting out there. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think there has been a definite shift in the past five years, even, of people wanting stories, more authentic stories, and then people being encouraged to write their own stories before somebody else does, you know, instead of letting somebody else write your story, you know, tell the story from your own perspective. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is a great shift, um, just 
do you think that that and sometimes i hear that i think that it will just expose though like all of the other bs that we've been doing before that it's like where have all these stories been this is not new <laughs> you know yeah, the, exactly yeah it's this not is new not yeah it's not new <laughs> yeah wow not like we all just popped up in 1990 here we are right yeah. here yeah yeah this stuff is not new so let's talk about that second half of that book yeah that, that was really great um it, it was all great but that was like whoa Thanks. um you talk about the uh, concept of bridge building people yeah and, um could you talk more about how you came up with that concept and did you get any opportunities over overseas in korea um as a bi man to to do any of that or is that kind of an experience you had over here in the states yeah and so i took i guess bridge building came as just my um experience with the word bisexual and kind of how i opened up it's kind of like Sometimes I want to use bisexual. Sometimes I want to use no label. Just because, as you both know, bi, bisexual comes stigmatized as hell. People don't, I mean, it's just a mess. So I said, how do I alleviate or maybe how do I reframe that word for myself? And so I said, you know what, maybe it's about building bridges because we do, we're obsessed with this whole binary thinking, right? So it's gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, black, white. But in all these like binary islands and said, but what about the bridges and the connections between the two? Like there's just, it doesn't even make sense. When you look at islands, like you can't get to the island unless you cross a bridge. And I said, maybe my, bi my bisexual experience is that of a bridge builder of how do I make connections and illuminate connections between people instead of participating in this binary island kind of all this is for me none for you type thinking and i think that it's related to my book you know being visible that's building a bridge you know just saying hey i exist but it's also just on a community level so i'm also really involved with uh homelessness in los angeles so we have a very bad homeless uh, situation in los angeles that perpetuates itself and there's a, yeah, there's a disconnect between people. There's a disconnect between mental health. Oh, they're just lazy. So it's like, how do we illuminate the connections and the parallels between their lives and, you know, everyone who's not homeless? And even with elder abuse, like how do we build a bridge to respect and value our elders just because they're statistically closer to death? doesn't mean that they just have no value and all their experiences are are meaningless and so it came i guess i use my uh just like passion and just just frustration with the word bisexual to kind of make it a more positive uh, you know experience and then when you build the bridge you build it for other people to come across maybe someone's watching you and by you raising your hand whatever it is hey i'm bi hey i'm I struggle with this mental health. I did this. I had this experience. Wow, you're building that bridge. So for someone who's struggling, they can walk over that bridge and, and know that they're not alone. I mean, that's the whole point. Island is seclusion and isolation. How do we get off of our islands to know that we're not alone? And so that's where the whole bridge building concept came from. In Korea, I really didn't get a chance to, you know, that concept, I guess, yeah, I mean, like you said, I was a really immature, like it's just 
I was so oh, immature, young so young, so <laughs> young, so young. Bridge building, what is that? But I think now if I can own it and be more intentful, it's about bridge building. It's like, hey, we share experiences and we cross bridges. We don't live on islands because we all of us will suffocate. And what's crazy is look at COVID-19. It's teaching us that lesson, right? Yeah. It's like, wow, yeah. community. What What is America? What has community? What place has community played in America? Do we really care about our neighbors? Now we do. It's like, oh, shit. My neighbor, maybe they need some food. Maybe they need some water. Or, hey, I have to protect myself, cover my face so that you're okay and you feel safe. So, you know, I feel like we're in that situation to where we're thinking about community and that can only be done with building bridges and helping people walk across them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think really about the only way we're going to get through this well, whether it's COVID or, or anything else, is to make sure we build those bridges and then keep them up. And keep them up, right, and keep them up and, and maintain them, yeah. And, and, and notice, and maybe just respect, you know, there's people who live on the islands, there's people who live on the bridges, there's people who are born on bridges. You know, it's just to be non-judgmental, yeah. you know? Um, one of yeah. the things about bridges, one of the first things you say when you start talking about it is, yeah. uh, you talk about Jesus, and this was mm -hmm. mind-blowing to me, it shouldn't be so mind-blowing, but you talk about, hey, you know, <laughs> Jesus is, is just a bridge between the um, physical and the spiritual world. I'm like, right. whoa, that was like the deepest thing I had heard in years. It, uh, <laughs> uh, oh my God, he's right. But that was, yeah. um, that's what you start with. And I was, it was curious um, that you started there. Um, so I think... I wrote that. So obviously, of course, I believe in bridges and, you know, the need for bridges. But I think for people who may have hangups about conversations about sexuality who are religious people, I think that that's something that is very um, apparent mm -hmm. and, you know, something that I really wanted to stick. I mean, is Jesus not the bridge between humans and Father God? I mean, they, that is literally a biblical yeah. uh yeah that that's like a literal biblical principle so if that's a bridge bridges are apparent everywhere and they're also apparent in by visibility so i mean that was my creative way to make that stick because also in my in you know in my just life my dad was a missionary i went to christian school k through 12 so I had all of this theological driven scripture. It's kind of like people believe in the text and the words that they read, but what about the energy and the source and everything behind it? Yeah. And so how do, yeah, how do I appeal to your textual need? So you know that Jesus is the bridge between humans and God, but also the energy of what I'm saying is coming from, is poking at some phobias that people may have. Yeah. 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 And there's so much religious baggage with anybody in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so, uh, I mean, there really is. And, and it's, yeah. it's yeah. I, I think you should be able to express or not express that side of yourself, however you see fit. And we've just been locked out. Um, yeah. Even in some of the atheist circles, gay people are not, you know, <laughs> white people are not welcome. So, um, wow. Um, just goes to prove pricks are everywhere. They everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a lot of good people too. And you know, yes. and that, that was the thing too, is, is um, uh, you talk about giving those people their space too, 
to to explore whatever they're exploring. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, it comes from a place of non-judgment, right? Yeah, it comes from a place of non-judgment for all of us, I think. Just let people live, let people breathe. And I was just, um, you know, for the past 21 days during this quarantine, I did a meditation class. So it's a virtual class from Deepak Chopra where everyone meets in this virtual room. You get a meditation prompt and like some um, writing um, or journal prompt. And it really... At the end of that class, it really was about everyone will get to their answer over their lifetime. It's just everyone is attached to the need to be right and to be, it's like everyone just relax. And I feel like something about by visibility, I don't know if we understand that instinctually because we are asked to live our life in a state of and or both, but I feel like sometimes we can see that a little quicker. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, be, living in those in-between spaces is a very unique place to be. And I think yeah. everybody lives in, in some in-between space, but bi people really do. Um, really do. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. And so you can see that. And uh, you're, what you're saying, it makes me think, Mick, if you don't mind me asking, so with you and your wife, both as bisexuals, how do you feel in that? Um, like, when do you both assert your bisexuality in your couple or do you let people like how do you guys navigate that if you don't mind me asking well it's 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 not really a thing you know okay. it's just it's we're so well and we you know we we're both you know in our 40s we've you know kind of went around and, and lived a lot of different aspects of our, of our lives before yeah. we met yeah and so it's just like this is who i am this is our thing you know it's like okay mm -hmm. cool and then it's it's such a natural thing to us and because we're so comfortable with that with ourselves and with each other it's just like eh, you know it, it's who, another part of who we are mm -hmm. and it's you know it just kind of like i said flows just a natural deal you know right. it's no big, it doesn't big lead the conversation yeah it doesn't lead the conversation necessarily yeah it was one you know yeah. when we first started talking we both you know hey i'm by hey i'm by okay cool you know and then that it i think it both immediately made us comfortable with each other more so because yeah. we knew oh well that's a whole series of conversations we don't have to have now and worries yeah. and concerns and you know okay are we going to get that inevitable you know uncomfortable uh conversation well i have a friend who wants to you know <laughs> we don't have to worry about that shit. <laughs> yeah you know? yeah so, hmm. it, it's it's been nice you know and i and yeah. i have dated you know other bisexuals and you know straight people and by and gays and you know just like you get all these different dynamics and you realize that there are certain things that it makes it a little easier in that aspect. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been really nice. Nice. Yeah. Just addressing, you know, the stigmas and stuff, you know, but yeah, I mean, everyone, that's the thing. Everybody's got everything, mm -hmm. you know, as far as, as us as a species yeah. and it's once we get past some of these stigmas then people can pretty much just, we can let each other be and, you know, get on with more important things instead of getting tripped up over these stupid, minute curbs of stigmas that seem to halt everything sometimes. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And actually what you said, it makes me think, yeah, that's part of the storytelling. Bisexual stories are told by bisexual people. Yeah, Poly po yeah polyamory, all of that are told by people who do that. Straight stories are told by straight people. It's kind of like letting people have autonomy of their their mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
All right, so switching gears slightly. Yeah. You are also a musician, and you have yeah. just released a new song, Luminous. Uh, yeah. And we have a track here. We're going to play it. But uh, what would you like to say about the song before we play it? Yeah. Um, so Luminous was written just thinking back and reflecting on uh, past relationships. So I sing something like, never forget the moments between us were luminous. But at the time, I was really into, I was reading about like, third dimension, 5D, and all of these things. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to kind of um, incorporate like the seen and the unseen and some type of light and darkness? And this is before COVID-19 took off and showed us how dark things could be. So I led with the idea of never forget that, you know, we had so much love and all of this light between us. And then it just turned into, um, just a song about you know like stars and um i can feel you through the distance but i can't see you you know that kind of magical um sense and yeah that now that we're in COVID 19 and we're experiencing darkness and kind of a shadow of the collective human consciousness i think that it's kind of you know it fits perfectly about owning your light, harnessing your light, because after all this is over, it's going to be different. So what do we want it to be like, you know, because everything we've been doing has contributed um, to this moment. And so I think that now it was a perfect time to uh, release it. And it's available on YouTube, SoundCloud, it'll be available on Spotify and Apple Music pretty soon. But uh, yeah, just a reminder to be the light um, that each of us you know, each of us have and to own it and harness it. Okay, cool. We're going to go ahead and listen to it. Cool. Never wake me up, never, never, never wake me up, never, never, never wake me up, never forget the moments between us. 
especially um, yeah kind of light and the darkness feel to it i, I really enjoyed it that yeah thanks awesome. yeah and as a songwriter you know i try to i mean evade pronouns so i don't want to put she he i kind of want to open people up to that just that experience what if, what exactly this can apply to however you want to apply it is it a past relationship is it related to someone that you've lost is it um, relationship between you and God. And I've noticed that when you take out the pronouns and you kind of just assume that it can be about anything, it's more relatable too, you know? Yeah. But that's just my, what I think about as a songwriter. How do you kind of open the material up to be relatable? Yeah, yeah you know, I think I think for um, those of us in between, it's, it's <laughs> that's kind of a priority for, for our writing and I know, right? I guess it comes with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, because that's who we are. We 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 live in those spaces. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for um, playing it. Yeah. Do you have any more music? Uh, it's we only got the one track. Is there an album with it or? No, uh, just singles that I've been putting out. So, um, you know, music is very therapeutic for me. So sometimes I'll go in the studio, we'll come up with an idea. And then I think like, oh, this is something I want to put on my website or, you know, maybe promote lightly. Uh, Panorama will have a song, um, you know, when the book comes out for Father's Day. So there's a song I recorded called Panorama. And that song is just a broader theme. Just a, And I think in that song, I sing about will you ever see the full panorama if you stare at the moon so you're staring at the moon but you have stars you have planets you have yeah. sun you have all this stuff around you will you ever see the panorama if you stare at the moon so the song is just a broader theme of the book about kind of just like there's all these experiences and stuff around you can yeah. we ever yes yes so yeah that will be with the book in june and i plan to kind of release music um, between now and the book release as the marketing's going on, just to keep people, um, you know, engaged, um, you know, with different content. Yeah. That's cool. Um, <laughs> you talked a bit more about where you can find the uh, music. Where can people find the book? The book is available right now for pre-order, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And so the, the distributor that I have, um, 
the closer it gets to release, it starts opening up on all these other platforms. So eventually it'll be, so views from the cockpit we got in uh, Walmart, Target, and some of the bigger retailer websites. So Panorama will also take that um, similar direction, but you can pre-order it now, of course, on um, Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ebook, uh, Kindle, and paperback. Okay, cool. So you can get it from your independent bookstores in town. Yeah, so um, when it, oh, yeah, closer it gets to release, um, I, I know here in Los Angeles, some of, I have relationships with like independent bookstores that will actually stock it on their shelves, but the distributor I have, most bookstores use them. So even if you go to your local, you're like, hey, I'm looking for this book, you can type it in and be able to order it through that bookstore's um, website because they're getting distributed from the same um, place. So, yeah. Cool. Nice. I was going to ask real quick too, um, as far as your music, is it just you or do you have a band? Um, oh, one day I will. So now <laughs> it's just me. Yeah. One day I'll have a band. We can jam and, you know, do some kind of interesting readings and music, but now it's just uh, a relationship between me. Usually it's just me, the songwriter, the producer, either I, give them a melody or lyrics or they'll give me a beat to write to and then um the studio people so you know the engineer and all of that with luminous there's a, a female vocalist that um i tap so right. her name is um, alicia nicole and she kind of has that really kind of angelic uh voice to her and she helps with the background so yeah it's a very small crew but everyone's committed to the message it's like hey do you know what I'm doing? Do you know what I'm about? Do you know what, what this music's important? Do we know why we're leaving out pronouns? Like make sure everyone's kind of centered around the message. And then mm -hmm. that leads to the, um, you know, to the best content. But one day I'll have a band and, and jam and all of that with a bassist. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Bassist and guitarist, all of that one day. Well, Hey, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I need to, I need to get back into it. I, I've kind of lapsed and, Playing in general or playing live? Just playing in, playing in general. Well, playing live, I haven't done that in a few years, unfortunately. But just playing in okay. general, and so many other things. Like, I, you know, kind of need to start kicking myself in the butt and, and getting back to it. Because I, I, it's just, it's one of those things that's pretty, pretty an integral part of myself. I just, I need to get back to it. Yeah, yeah. And when you let it flow with music, you know, you just let it flow. You just, sometimes you just do it for yourself because it feels good, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's own own way of therapy sometimes. It's yeah. just you got to play it out. Yeah. So yeah. okay, is there anything that we haven't talked about or missed that you'd like to talk about? And then of course any upcoming projects or events that you've got uh, coming with uh, the book and, and the music and everything. Yeah. So um, pretty much, you know, since we're in this quarantine until further notice. I'm going to be doing most of my stuff online. So I'm doing an online blog tour in May. And so pretty much what this is, is, you know, there's bloggers who've expressed interest with, uh, for Panorama. So they'll ask me some questions. It's all, you know, written and they'll post it. And so I'll post that schedule on my website. Um, and then for the actual release, if we're still closed down, my idea is to do a reading, you know, small reading of Panorama, like on, Facebook or Instagram live. And then maybe I get someone to sing the song uh, Panorama as well. Um, or 
we do something in an art gallery. And I know that's kind of fancy, but I always thought about like, I think it'd be really cool to have like books and music in an art gallery. We'll see how quarantine um, plans out. But other than that, you know, I'll just be, you know, self-distancing, trying to stay sane during this uh, trying period. And for whoever's listening, I guess I just want to remind them that um, someone told me a long time ago that our childhood and our pain is a foreshadow uh, to a larger story of our life. And so I would just encourage your listeners to insert a plot twist of resilience. And I think that that plot twist is related to the pain and everything that they've experienced it by owning it, owning your narrative, owning your story. And just, you know, um, you know, it's you. And so you can't escape it. And so turn it into your resilient narrative the best way you can. And don't be afraid to ask for help because there's more people like you than you think. Definitely. Yeah, you've got to work with what you got. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you start work from with what you got. You know, that you are where you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can't escape our past. So why not make it work for you? Yep. Definitely. Man, deep conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Great. Um, it's so yeah. nice for me to talk to. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine being in a space, you know, you guys already understand, you know, just by in general, but it's so relieving to be able to have other by people read this book and, you know, have some takeaway from it. And so hopefully, you know, that's my goal is to reach more people and actually re reach people who are outside of the conversation too and outside of the mindset to say, hey, is there something I'm missing? It's like, yeah, there's something you're, you're missing for sure. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for having me on and all the visibility that you guys do and the work that you do. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us. It's Ross Victory, and he is the author of Panorama and the Song Luminous and the book Views from the Cockpit. Thanks also again to Mick Collins, my co-host. And remember, there's a whole BiFlesh universe ready to embrace you. Reach out and find your community.